And we're live. I don't think we live over here though. Yeah. Woo. Wait a minute. Oh, I did all the shenanigans over here, not to even fucking whatever. I don't care anymore. Just close it all out. But we here live for wrestling this trash, a nonsensical podcast, where we talk about professional wrestling, past, present, and quite possibly the future. You can follow Wrestling Trash on uh, various social media platforms to include Twitter at Wrestling B Trash and Wrestling Is Trash on instagram if you're viewing this live it should be on facebook somewhere floating out into the realms of the uh interwebs and whatnot so uh join all the funds uh sponsored by or well we won't say sponsored we'll say powered by that damn duck up there in the corner because <laughs> because wrestling this trash ain't making that uh that garbage money yet to where we can um get those logos removed and shit so yeah yeah, but uh, we join. We haven't got that Virgil fuck money yet. We need that yeah. Virgil fuck money. Yeah, no Virgil fuck money here. Um, I also implore you all to wear your mask out in public, and um, if you can support local businesses or businesses abroad, you can do that. Black Rambo Ammo, go ahead and support your boy on Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. I had my anomaly shirt on last week, so that was the uh, sponsored supporter for that show. <laughs> but. Me and Anomaly gonna catch up. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Anacelli couldn't be with us this evening, well, morning, to talk about um, WWE. But Anomaly has done his due diligence and um, much begrudgingly to his <laughs> himself uh, watched the uh, WWE Extreme Rules 2020. So, sir. I watched, I, I stomached two matches. Okay, so you watched the, both of the heavyweight the title heavy matches. Event. Yeah, okay. I couldn't stomach the rest of that shit. Okay, nah. Okay. So you didn't even attempt or you just kind of start watching and it was like, nah, fuck this couch. <laughs> it was fuck this couch. Very well. Very well. I'm not even going to lie. It was fuck this couch, man. I mean, come on, dude. They did CGI and had Rey Mysterio's eye ripped out. I've seen enough, bro. <laughs> even, I mean, come on. But I mean, I am happy with Nakamura winning the tag titles. Yes. With Cesaro. I'm happy for that. Uh I just want Nakamura to get that world title reign and then go back to Japan, a decorated superhero. Yeah, because, I mean, so far, he is a intercontinental champion, a freaking U.S. champion, and now a tag team champion. Yeah. And we so, got a... Let's get that world title on the man. We got Eric in the chat there. That's what he said about the horror show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, let's not forget the fact that they're ripping off Lucha Underground and the the Hardy Compounds shit. I mean, but they wouldn't let Matt Hardy do it when he was under contract with WWE. But it's okay for them to do this fucking bullshit. I well, let's just not say rip off. Let's say adapt, because those other places that you mentioned kind of did it a bit better. Can we agree on that? Yes, Lucha Underground, man. I, I, I it, it was the management. That ruined a revolutionary show because Lucha yeah. Underground was, was awesome. I I was loving life with that. And Lucha, yeah, Lucha Underground was a TV show. That's what that was. Yeah, and it, and it was a good one. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't you didn't mind the fact that they was you know pushing the envelope and insulting kayfabe and whatnot because you knew what you was watching was still quality wrestling. They would put the 
whole little soap opera bullshit in there. But then you'd have this amazing match with like Johnny Mundo and Ricochet or back then Prince Puma, whatever you want to fucking call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you'd have quality matches. Yeah. So we, and, can, we can deal with it then. But this, this shit the WWE is pulling off right now, man, come on. Now that's, ugh, come on, dude. <laughs> I understand. I mean, so did Brian, did Brian get eaten by a crocodile? Is that what we're saying happened? <laughs> I don't know. Um. See, I enjoy your ass speaking too. I, I just I, I lost what I was gonna say, but um, See? with the uh, Lucha Underground stuff, man. I I, I missed it so much, cause um I, I I watched all of season one. Um, I got part of the way through season two because um it was hard to uh catch it because I didn't have El Ray in my cable package and I had to resort to nefarious means <laughs> to uh, try to put my eyeballs on it you know some through daily motion and YouTube here and there and sometimes you get the audio out of sync and the images are backwards because they're trying to avoid copyright strikes and all this other bullshit so I didn't really get the full story but whatever I did watch and enjoyed you know I, I like it they they did real good with character development. They did a lot of callbacks. Um, they stuck with the continuity of the story and whatnot, and that's something that I really appreciated. Yeah, it was it was a quality show, dude. I mean, I think in twenty years people will appreciate Lucha Underground a whole lot more. I mean, it, 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 they had stars. They made stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really did. I mean, it it was it was a trend setting little shindig they had and I, I, I miss it yeah and that's where um people such as uh Eva Lise and Brian Cage and um who else uh uh Ricochet aka Prince Puma a lot of those people came into my radar or whatever because they were doing a lot of things uh heavily independent wise and um Lucha Underground brought those people to me and you know different character variation but I mean, I I got accustomed to their styles to swerve, you know Shane Strickland and whatnot, who I saw for the very first time in CZW, um, wrestling a woman for their Wired Championship, and it blew my fucking mind. I was just like, this dude, with these long lanky ass legs wrestling this girl, and I was like, how they gonna make this work? But he, they pulled it off. They pulled it off. And I mean, um, and I want to I want to mention that I think people should go back to the three R show and listen to the interview you did with Brian Cage because I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it was an excellent show, and I think a lot of people really need to check that out. Hey, thanks for the plugs. I was gonna say something about it, but you beat me to it. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I I, I listened to three R show. Three R show put a lot of money in my pocket. So I and it, and it, you my you my brother for life. So you know I always gotta support the product. Very well, I appreciate that. So, for those of you who uh, want to look into more, you can find the website. The camera is weird for me. It's a uh, randomrob.com. I had to paste over the old website there. That's why they got that big ass gap. <laughs> right. But what did you what did you like about Extreme Rules? The two matches that you did watch because you watched both of the heavyweight title matches. Let's start off with um, Dolph and goddamn. McIntyre. 
great match. Uh, the ending was predictable, though. We all knew that Drew was going to win. Uh, Drew is in his prime right now. Dude's having some great matches. I love the finish, the little kip up with the Claymore. That was that was pretty fucking gangster. That that elbow drop that that Dolph nailed outside the ring on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, my main issue is is I think Dolph actually needs to do what Drew did. He needs to leave WWE and reinvent himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as he's there, he's going to be compared to Shawn Michaels. As long as he's there, he he's going to be a glorified jobber. Mm-hmm. He needs to go out and reinvent himself while he still has time because he, he doesn't have much longer to wrestle. The guy's kind of getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. I mean, So, I mean, that's my issue. Yeah, I, I feel like... Um... As of late, I mean, we know he's been in the company for buku years. I mean, WWE is all he's known, to my knowledge, anyway. But um, it's like you say that he doesn't have long left to wrestle, but we, we forget that, like, I mean, other than right now doing what's going on in the world, damn, Dolph come in, get somebody over, then he vanish and go do comedy and all kind of stuff. Now, since, you know, he doesn't have an avenue to do that so much anymore because of what's going on, he's here more now. So I kind of felt like if everything was all good and peachy keen, we didn't have to wear a mask everywhere and all this other bullshit, that he wouldn't be in and out, in and out, you know, less frequently. Because, you know, when he does go away and he comes back, I'm like, yay! And then after his first or second match, I'm like, all right, you need to leave now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. I mean, this is the thing. Some people don't realize how old Dolph is. You got to yeah. remember, Dolph was in the Spirit Squad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been there for a while. He he's taken a lot of hard bumps too. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's one of the main points to his style is the guy can take bumps like nobody else, and he sells them great. But he needs to get away from the WWE that's had his little safety blanket for all these years so he can reinvent himself and really make a play for that world title like Drew did. Drew did that. Drew was under the WWE safety blanket and he was getting those paychecks and he was loving life getting them paychecks. Mm -hmm. They gave him his walking papers and he had to reinvent himself. Now, do you you think that's the thing? That, you know, like you said, he's been there for well over a decade. You know, and who knows how well he has interwoven himself within the workings of that company or whatnot. You know, we see him on screen, he do what he do or whatever, but who knows, you know, what he's involved with behind the scenes. So, I mean, that can also create a lot of longevity within a performer as well. So, do you think they need to be the ones to give him the boot for him to actually leave? Because I feel like he's just a lifer, man. You know, he's going to get this consistent paycheck. You know, he's going to come there and do what they need him to do. And, you know, it is what it is. It really depends on his mind state. If he's content being a glorified jobber and getting those paychecks for the rest of his career, hey, more power to him. Mm-hmm. And I kind of figured. He's a glorified yeah. enhancement talent. And, and I kind of figured that's. um. That was a lot of the mindset of a lot of people that they didn't damn um, wind up getting rid of. Like uh, Zack Ryder. He was another one that was sitting there collecting a paycheck. But he was smart, though. Because, damn, he was doing other shit on the outside of it. And it's like, who 
wouldn't want to do something like that. I mean, I know there's other people that want to express their art differently and whatnot, be more creative and whatnot. But if you have a job for a billion dollar company that's going to pay you to sit on your ass and do nothing or pay you to do the minimal shit, I mean, that's kind of hard to let go. And I believe that's a lot of the rut that a lot of these people get into that have been with the company for a long ass time. It, it just depends. It, it, to, to like put a bridge between that and the music business, it, it it's like, do you want to be respected for your art form or do you just want to get paid? Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that would put on cowboy boots and a, and a Stetson hat and say that they was country rap just to get a paycheck. <laughs> and that happens. But I mean, that's basically like to me, that's selling out. True but man. I mean, that's to each their own. Hey, if you're getting paid, I ain't mad at you. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is Dolph Ziggler has the talent and the potential to be a legendary, epic performer. But as of right now, his legacy will be that of a glorified fucking job. Word. Um, he's not Eddie Guerrero. Th 30, 39, by the way. He, he's approaching exactly. 40. Exactly. Hell, uh, he, according to this, let's see, To he will be turning 40 tomorrow. <laughs> see what I'm saying? 40 years old Dolph Ziggler tomorrow. But, you know, I still give it to him. Still a great competitor. Um, I think I think he, he overacts a little bit. I mean, he has the skill of an actor or whatever, but he kind of overdoes it sometimes. Like this um, most recent promo that he had with uh, Drew McIntyre on Raw where he was um, begging him for the rematch or whatever. It was just like, he laid it on a little bit too thick for me. <laughs> he had me in the beginning, but he just kept... Adding a little too much to it. I mean, it's like how he sells in the ring sometimes. He just kind of overdoes it. <laughs> and he did that with the the promo. Let's talk about a real promo guy right now who finally got his shot. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy about it. I'm talking about one and only the real motherfucking G, Eddie motherfucking Kingston. Mm -hmm. This guy has been ripping and running for damn near 20 years. Mm -hmm. He does some of the best independent promos I've ever seen in my life. I've been a fan of his for years. And to finally see him go out on national television on AEW, which put on the best wrestling show I had seen all year last Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And to see him open the whole show with Cody Rhodes. And regardless of who won or lost that match, which they did that ending very well, I loved it. Mm -hmm. He baptized Cody's ass through fire. Yeah. Gave him the fucking thumbtacks, beat his ass with the belt, made him understand welts like he was his fucking stepdaddy. <laughs> he beat his motherfucking ass up and down that whole ring. And don't pardon my French. If you don't like cuss words, fuck you. He <laughs> whooped Cody's ass. Yeah, he did. And now, I loved it every minute. Before we uh, roll fully into AEW and what was going on, well, we got Eric in the yep. chat here said this about Dolph Ziggler. You know, honestly, Dolph would be better if he moved to AEW and possibly working with Jericho and Cody Rhodes, you know, as big as he's gotten and whatnot. 
or New Japan. I've said it for years that if he went over to New Japan, he could have some revolutionary matches. Mm-hmm. And would... They would get, they would give it to him. I would love to see Okada versus Dolph. Email Ooh. versus Dolph. Ooh, I mean. I mean, I, I you, you did one of those internet things just now. You you gave me something that I didn't know that I wanted. You know, uh, right. as much as much as much as I bag on Okada and everything and whatnot. He's just you know he great professional wrestler. He's just you know not my cup of tea. But I would like to see Okada and Dolph Ziggler get it on. That 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 would interest me very much. So, <laughs> I mean, there's just he could go in there, dog, and. And have some great matches and reinvent himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I mean, could we could we see this? I mean, of, it, of, it would be nice. And then uh, WWE would be begging to have him back. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Right. Yeah. Um, the AEW thing is just like it would be a good move for him. But the whole thing about me and AEW and people, you know, people are suggesting. That people, hey, leave WWE and go to AEW. It's kind of the same thing almost because, you know, a lot of WWE guys are at AEW and it's just like you're mixing the same shit over again or whatever. I was like, I'd rather see Eddie Kingston's and what we get in Warhorse next week and, you know, stuff like that. The Sunny Kisses and all that stuff. People that I'm not accustomed to mixing it up with some of the veterans and whatnot, but having veteran on veteran action. You know, it doesn't really appeal to me too much. Um, another thing I want to speak on is I'm liking what Impact's doing right now. Yeah. I'm liking their direction. I mean, it, it they make you want to tune in, and they got some good talent. I like the whole little um, photo they did with all the XWWE stars getting Vince McMahon the middle finger. I mean, I, I'm digging it. I'm digging yeah. it. Fuck the establishment, man. Fuck Vince. Mm-hmm. And I'm see. And we, we left them completely out of the conversation until just now. You know, Dolph could go to Impact. But once again, <laughs> to me... It'd be, the same, it'd be the same difference. He needs yeah. new dance partners. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't mind... Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him going to MLW or freaking... Um, I, is ROH still popping right now? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, anywhere... Besides WWE would be a change of pace. Hell, I would even let him go down to NXT. <laughs> nah. Nah, not I so mean, much. That's All like right. Charlotte going down to NXT. What the fuck was the point? Because Charlotte's, Charlotte's hot shit and it brings the eyeballs or whatever. But we seen that it was like, man. <laughs> man. Whatever. Cause I mean, she she she's good, but she's highly overrated, in my opinion. She's a high maintenance diva, bitch. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so uh, Eddie Kingston, ed- educate me. I mean, I've heard the name, I've seen the face, but I'm not too familiar with the in ring work and um, the promo stuff. Educate me right now. Well, I mean, if you a lot of people don't realize this, he cut a promo before he showed up on AEW on Cody. Look this up on YouTube because it was fucking epic. He told Cody, he said, bitch, these were his actual words. Bitch, you went to fucking acting school. I went to fight school. (laughs) I will whoop your bleach blonde ass up and down the fucking ring. Word. 
<laughs> and he said, and the homies you got that you think you got that you're running that little company with, believe you me, they like me more than you, bitch. Yeah, man. I mean, he cut this epic fucking 10-minute promo on Kobe just clowning his ass. And then yeah. shows up to AEW. I mean, it, it was brilliant. See, and what... You, well, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Now, see what what I'm enjoying about the um, the, the open challenge that Co Cody's doing for the uh, TNT Championship. Um, it's what the John Cena Open Challenge should have been. Now, yeah. granted, WWE is his own fucking universe and everything. To, pun intended. You know, they have so much talent that we don't even see all the talent. You know, they got so many employees. We got so many in developmental. We got, they got so much, they got more talent than they could ever need. So to do the U.S. challenge like they did it made sense because we had talent that been on the main roster that kind of fell to the wayside. They got an opportunity. We got people that came up from NXT. that got a, um, you know, opportunity to establish that brand a little more. We got, veterans we got new up-and-comers all within the wwe system that took part in that uh united states open challenge and whatnot so that made sense for that but being that this is aew and they don't really have any strong ties or this big developmental system yet um to bring in independent talent especially right now during the pandemic because you know people need work you know so i think this is a great move and I'm ready to see who pop up next to educate me a little more. Because I see, once again, the Warhorse guy, seen via Twitter. Um, I know him only in image and not so much in ring and style. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to see what's up next. Well, you know, a lot of the guys that they're bringing in right now were fucking with NWA power. Yeah, I seen that. Um, Eddie Kingston was, yeah. And Ricky was too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I heard uh, I, mean, I heard those two were um, heavy hitters over there in NWA. They was, and that, that's the thing. And I, I'm, I'm predicting that Hop, now that Eddie's there. I mean, I don't know if Eddie's under contract yet or not, but he should be. Mm -hmm. uh, if Eddie's going to be under contract there, I would expect to see Homicide there very soon, because Eddie and Homicide are very good friends. Mm -hmm. And. Who wouldn't need a little more homicide in their life? <laughs> I'm I'm all about bringing homicide in there. Just just I'm keep her, just keep Hernandez, Hernandez with too. yeah. I'm I don't know I don't know you you yeah you keep him where he at he you know he kind of jumped the shark he he jumped the shark for me when he got that whack ass Superman tattoo on his chest. <laughs> hey, Hernandez. Did one of the greatest interviews I've ever seen in uh, Impact years ago. If they let Hernandez be Hernandez, I'm all for it. The guy can really cut a promo. So, I mean, what's the thing with that, though? You know, you you use that term or phrase or whatever. We hear that a lot in WWE because we know the constraints that a lot of wrestlers are put on under there, you know, because who owns the company? But do you think other companies are kind of following that same thing because like you said impact letting hernandez be hernandez let him cut the promos that he want to cut or whatnot so i mean do you think other companies are putting the cuffs on their talent and they should you know ease up uh, 
I don't think AEW is per se. Mm -hmm. I think they just got a little standard script they want to go by, but I think they ad lib a lot. Yeah. Bullet uh, points. Yeah, yeah. Little, little, little key points and, sh and shit like that. But I mean, I like the organic flow they have to it. Like, um, the, I really, like, I watched AEW, and it took me to Neverland. Okay. I forgot what I was watching was pro wrestling. Young Bucks, Butcher, and Blade, great match. Killer fucking ending. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I did not see a bad part in that whole show. It was solid head to toe. Okay. What do you think about the um, whole thing that they're stirring up with um, Kenny Omega and the revival or FTR or whatever the fuck you call them? Because, you know, he tried to go in and make amends and then they just kind of turn the tables on them, shenanigans and whatnot. And the Bucks are there in the middle of everything trying to keep them apart and separated and everything. <laughs> I mean, we all know it's going to be FTR versus um, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega very soon for the, mm -hmm. for the tag titles. Uh, it's going to be a good match. FTR has uh, got to win because, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, they're, we know why they're here. They want to fight the Young Bucks. <laughs> they're going to make us wait for it. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So it only makes sense to me that FTR beats Kenny Omega and Hangman for, the, for those titles and whatnot. And they already laid a nice uh, bed of deceit and whatnot between Hangman hanging out with them behind the scenes you know, at the bar and all kind of other stuff. And everybody else seems cool with FTR, except for Kenny Omega. <laughs> well, I mean, we all know eventually it's going to be Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. One -on -one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all know that's going to happen. Yeah. All so, the I scenes. Mean, <laughs> yeah. I like, I like the storyline. I like the way it's playing out. I'm digging it. Uh, I like the direction that that AEW's going right now. And not only that, they survived through the majority of this pandemic and kept themselves afloat. And a lot of people were scared that they was going to go belly up. Mm -hmm. And they did. I mean, I don't know if Tony Khan lost money off of anything or if he's breaking even right now or if he's above water or below water. I would say it has to be somewhat above water because he's still offering contracts. True. And then, I mean, it's a whole separate thing or whatever because he come from a family with money and whatnot so i mean that, that's probably a whole another different avenue or uh, revenue stream and whatnot because i mean they own two professional sports teams one in football one in soccer they got money beyond that and then you know this is kind of like a passion project for you know that family and whatnot which i greatly appreciate that he Mr. Khan has a young Khan in his family that enjoys professional wrestling so much that he went and bought himself a company. <laughs> hey, if I had the money they had, I would too. I mean, that's kind of like your boy um, Billy Corgan or whatever. He jumped through all them hoots. He tried to get uh, by Impact and everything, and then you, you know he couldn't get Impact. So now you're doing what are you doing with a uh, NWA? He owned that shit. You know, a passionate wrestling fan trying to let professional wrestling be wrestling. You know, I can't be too much against that. Uh, but NWA Power dropped the ball in my, my opinion. They, they, they're they trying to go was, too old school from what I understand. It was too old school and it got really corny. 
really fast. It didn't hold my interest. And I wanted it to hold my interest. Mm. And it didn't. Yeah, it's like I would peep in and peep out every now and then. But when I started seeing Damien Sandow doing Damien Sandow shit and uh, Question Mark Man or whatever the fuck, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to just stay over here where I'm at. <laughs> Damien Sandow, whatever you want to call him, hometown Kentucky boy, he's a Louisville fan. Mm-hmm. Homie, you need mental help. I, um, you need mental help, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he's trying to be man it's just like I, I heard him in an interview I think it was um Jericho podcast when he was still with WWE that he likes to act or whatever so I mean this is wrestling is giving him this platform but I believe that he's a better professional wrestler than he is an actor or whatever I mean he does good comedy stuff here and there but he's another one of those people that you know he leans too hard when he has one good thing you know, instead of kind of diversifying or trying to even it out, it's just it's just weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's just remember that this guy was trained by the legendary Killer Colossal. Yeah, and he is talented. Mm-hmm. I really think he took too many chair shots or something. John Cena done rung his bell too much. Something happened, man, because he has went to La La Land. I just don't see it. It's like I really look at him and I think there's something mentally wrong with with Cuz. I mean, it's just not there no more, dog. And I mean, NWA tried to grab all this talent and and do something with it, but they wasn't letting these guys have the matches that they should be having. Mm -hmm. And the world champion is not world champion caliber, in my opinion. Who, Who is the world champion? Who oh, is Magnus. the world champion now? now oh, Magnus. Magnus, all right, it, there you go. Is he still the champion? He's been the champion as long as that brand been the brand, right? Nick Alden. Uh, Mr. Mrs. Mickey James. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Mr. James. Mr. Yeah. James. I mean, dude, the only thing I can say good about Nick Aldis is he thinks AJ Styles is the greatest wrestler on the planet. The only thing good about Nick Aldis is he's married to Mickey James. <laughs> you get player points for that one, homie. Uh, I didn't like any match that he has. Wrestling! Or any match he's had that I've seen did not have an organic flow to it, and that's what I didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I he didn't even... have an organic flow with, Col- with Cody. Yeah, I, I, I see, that's the only match that I can recall that I've seen most recently of him. And um, the match with Marty Scroll as well. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> Marty was restraining himself to make all this look good. I don't know. Ain't, ain't there some shenanigans with Scroll right now? He's sleeping with uh, yeah, high schoolers and shit. Yeah, they're saying that he was part of that little bullshit with the... Sexual harassment shit. Dude, do you, do you notice that? It's just like, the shit spreads like wildfire, man. There's one allegation, then like right out of that, 30 of them just pop up out of nowhere, you know, whatever. And it's just like, it's but, weird as fuck. But has Marty said anything in regards to his defense? I, no. That, that I'm aware of? No. I think he's the only one that has not said anything. <laughs> I don't know. That's a telltale sign. <laughs> it, look, I look at, yeah, I, I look at it kind of like this, because 
if my kids tell me a lie and I know they're lying, it's just like, you know. So it's just like, all right, I go in the house and fucking there's, I don't know, tennis shoes swinging from the ceiling fan or whatever. I was like, who the fuck did this shit? And they both like, oh, so, so okay. We, we, we don't know what's going on, huh? We, did you do this? Uh, 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 yeah, you did this shit. Now let me, I'm about to, punishments yeah. for everyone. All the audience, you're going to have to give me a second. I got to move my camera. I know y'all bitched about the last show because they said it was vibrating, but man, you my got that. Pep to me like a motherfucker. That, that, that free float, <laughs> that free float camera. Yeah. He got it on the gimbal. That's what it is. <laughs> But yeah, man, this just, I don't know. That was just a weird time. So it, who it was? It was Marty Scroll, goddamn uh, Joey Ryan, which it was kind of funny <laughs> in the sense when I heard that one. Because I was like, that's his whole gimmick, kind of. <laughs> um, and what is him, Joey Ryan? Um, I don't know. I ain't going to glorify the shit. Or, you know, it's just. Right. It's just crazy that it just all sprung up at once. And a lot of this shit be coincidental, too. Somebody will be at the um, the prime of their shit, getting ready to do something big and, you know, heighten their career. Boom! Black. Sexual harassment or some shit like that. And I was like, wow. Right. I, I mean, they shit, look at... Yeah, look, look at the goddamn um, Tessa Blanchett. She was, um, everybody knew that she was going to win the, the heavyweight title. And then all of a sudden, boom! The night before, everybody just, oh, racist. She called me the N-word. She said she don't like black people and all kind of other bullshit like that. And I was like, wow. Just now is when you do this? As a, And look, you, you should never blame a victim or whatever. And, you know, I, I can never put myself in a victim's place. I've never been in that situation before. But if you're going to say something, say something when the shit happened. You know, that, I mean... Don't don't hold on and harbor this shit or whatever because it's just like, I don't know, because I, I, this is a touch, touchy subject or whatever, and I don't want to seem insensitive to you know the people who have been through things like this and whatnot. But it's just like, it's a hard thing to go through. I understand that, and a lot of people don't want to relive the thing. But if you're gonna sit there and hold this shit in and wait till somebody on the come up, <laughs> then say what? something. I mean, that seems like you held that on intent to do some shit like that, you know? It's like a blackmail type of thing and whatnot. You just, oh, he hurt me now, so I'm going to wait till he good and happy and I'm going to hurt him later. I was like, nah, it don't work like that. First of all, if they did some shit like that to you, they're going to do it to somebody else. So that's why you need to squash the shit when the shit happens so they don't have the opportunity or the chance to do it to somebody else. But once again, I can I've never been in a victim's place. I've never been in issues. I don't know the mindset or whatever. So I've gave my two cents. <laughs> what else you liking about AEW? <laughs> Somebody else went on a rant this time. I didn't have to go on a rant. You just did. Mm-hmm. It's usually the other way around. I know, man. It's times are changing. It's this pandemic. It's making me crazy. Ah! <laughs> I mean, all honesty, I just see AEW growing. I don't think it's going to flounder. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, man, uh, I support the product. Yes, yes. I need to get, get me your one of those. 
ProWrestlingTees.com. Mm-hmm. That, see, always take care of me. see, now that's another um, success story right there. They came up with the the elite, and the elite took them with them. You know, they they started becoming their biggest merchandise sellers, and then they just kind of brought them into the fold because I believe that AEWShop.com is all pro wrestling t shit. So I mean, it is. they make it making good money. That's what I'm saying, and I mean, I support the product. I mean, I I, I was an independent hip-hop artists for years and i know what it's like to be grinding and you know merchandise is is over 50 percent of your your revenue mm-hmm. so support your support the, the cause man support the cause yeah Buy the Bullet Club team. yeah yeah get the black rambo, black rambo ammo yeah <laughs> black rambo ammo who he yeah. hurt i didn't know about black rambo until he was on the three r show Hey, see, we 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 making stars over here. <laughs> hey, do you do you realize how many people did not know who Anomaly was until the Three R show? Hey, and I'm glad they got to know you because I got to know you in Elemental P. How, how did that even come about? I forgot. Hoppy, you're right. Goddamn Hoppy, where, where that motherfucker at? We need to get him on the hooks one day. <laughs> Man. I'm I'm still in contact with the infamous Hoppy every now and then. Yeah, I, I shoot him a text every once in a while just to see if he's breathing. You know, you tell me about his culinary catastrophes and everything and whatnot, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, Sunny Kiss, thoughts? I don't know. I could do, I could I could deal with it, or I could I I'm here here nor there. Okay. Make your name. Let's see what you do. Now, um, what was weird for me, because, I mean, obviously the look that he has now is um has been adapted over time and whatnot. I went back to look at some old wrestling footage, and, dude, I'm glad that the change was made to this, because, because <laughs> all right, we see his body type and everything, and the, the gear that he wears now suits this whole persona yeah. or whatever. It, yeah, it, it suits the image. So I was going back watching old shit just to get familiar with with his style and whatnot. And this dude was wrestling um, the, sh- the 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 draws looking trunks with fishnets and no shirt. And I was just like, oh no, <laughs> no 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 no. I, I don't want none of this on my browser history. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, it it because to see what I see now, the finished product, you know, per se. But um, to go back and look at those early iterations, I was like, oh, man, uh, this is it's not doing it for me. <laughs> I, I, I'm thankful that AEW has given these people an opportunity to be on the main stage. Mm-hmm. That's my main thing, because Sonny Kiss could never would never be in the WWE. No, nah, I don't think Nor, so. No. I, I, the Japanese audience probably wouldn't be too open to arms about it either. But mm-hmm. AEW I think I, I, I think I think Sonny really, has a home there. Yeah, I really feel like AEW is bridging the gap or whatever because we speak of, I'm gonna speak about two places where Sonny Kiss I feel I felt fit in perfectly. Lucha Underground and um CML, CMLL or um triple a because they have characters that cater to that style as well yep. you know so i mean 
those two places kind of made him feel at home there. But like I believe AEW is bridging that gap because they got Nyla Rose and her, and um, you know they pulling from Mexico, they pulling from Japan, and all kind of things and whatnot. To speak of Japan real quick, yeah. I know we was gonna talk about it because we we need to catch up. I need to probe your mind for some questions that I have and whatnot. My boy came back. And from excursion, and I was excited to see him go because I wanted to see how he's gonna come back and you know, you know, reinvent himself because that's what they do. They go out there to find a character and they bring it back to New Japan. But when he came back, I was just kind of like, Ugh. and uh, if you listen to early iterations of uh, wrestling this trash when we talked about New Japan, I had two young lions that I was very excited for to see where their uh, career progression was gonna go, and one was Kawato. And the other one was Kitamura. Kitamura got injured and he left New Japan. And I think he's pursuing a bodybuilding career like he was doing prior, I believe. But Kawato, he left. He went to CMLL and did a whole bunch of things with uh, AAA in, in um, Mexico and everything to find himself. And now he's back in New Japan. And I don't know if I like that shit. <laughs> uh, give it time. I know that's what I'm doing. I'm giving the benefit of the tout, but damn, I just like when he was a young lion, he was there. He had a lot of fire. The crowd would always get behind him, and he's just like that that true underdog story. But now he's back, and he's supposed to be Master Watto, and he's supposed to be like you know from the promos and the vignettes that I've been seeing and whatnot. He's supposed to be like this on the on the path to be a grandmaster. So obviously he's still learning. You know, that's kind of the thing that they built in there from what I can understand from Japanese. <laughs> so, um, I, like you said, I have to give it time, but for him to be, have, having to have somewhat of a martial arts style character, like Ip Man influence, them kicks ain't looking good, homie. <laughs> the, 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 the martial artists, the martial arts that he's employing is not looking crisp. Them, them, them kicks ain't, as um, the boys from the Code 45 podcast would say, when they would rate their um, people doing martial arts, they call them uh, straight leg kicks. You know, when the motherfucker try to do a, a kick and his leg all bent and it look like not professional, that's how Kawato kicks look. You got to have them them Scott Atkins, them um, freaking Donnie Yen straight leg kicks, man. You got to get the full extension. You can't be doing this little bent leg shit. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, though, is... I trust the process of New Japan. They build stars. Mm -hmm. So just because this is what we're seeing right now don't mean this is what we're going to see in the future. Yeah. They they got one of the best bookers in the business at New Japan in Ghetto. Ghetto knows how to, how to book. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at what he's just done with Evil. Who's seen that shit coming? And that's the questions that I have for you. Because before the... Uh, the shit happened with the world, the world been set on fire, specifically Australia. Um, I kind of tuned out of New Japan. My subscription had lapsed and everything, and then I would uh, kind of try to keep my finger on it through um, Twitter and Instagram and everything like that. I followed their main accounts and whatnot, and you know, that's how I was getting my updates. But before all this went down, you know, when it was just regular New Japan proper, was there any inclination of evil making the turn? No. Exactly. Well, I didn't see so any either. Great. Yeah, I didn't see any of that either. 
There was no, there was no build. There was no inclination or whatever. New Japan just kind of went dark or whatever to, you know, protect their assets, their company. And um, when they came back in this, um, these current shows, it was just like, it just happened. <laughs> and it was smart because look, this is this is what I like about New Japan, mm-hmm. and this is what you got to remember. Bullet Club is a worldwide phenomenon mm-hmm. and teacher explosion. Mm-hmm. I got two Bullet Club t-shirts myself. I want a third because I want the original. Well, I technically got three because I got the old GBC t-shirt as well. But I want the original Bullet Club shirt that that Prince Devitt used to wear. So what we got to remember is even though guys like Prince Devitt or Ben Bala, whatever you want to call him, and, and AJ Styles and Kenny Omega, like, really brought Bullet Club to the forefront Bullet Club was a mind invention of New Japan. Mm-hmm. It's a New Japan state. Yeah. So, Ghetto has found a way to make Bullet Club relevant and make it a mainstay in the Japanese Puerto Russo culture. Mm-hmm. I got you. And, and, and he would not sell it when Vince McMahon tried to buy Bullet Club. Yeah. They would not sell it. So by making guys like Evil part of the Bullet Club, mm-hmm. it keeps Bullet Club relevant and keeps it generating revenue. Yeah, and that's another. Like White. Yeah, that's another thing because I mean they they cater into you know New Zealand and you know everybody over on the the European side and whatnot. So I I can get that as well. And then you have a mainstay within Evil who is truly new japan and whatnot and who i saw for the very first time i guess he was on excursion um excursion. i seen him in i seen him in roh, ROH. yeah i seen ROH him for the, excursion. yeah that was the very first time i seen him in roh and i seen him with his purple hair and i was just like what the fuck is this <laughs> and it kind of turned me off and everything but to see him come back years later and get to a little more exposure to him i was just like Damn, he could have been champion a long time ago. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Watch the character development because five, six years down the line for the World Heavyweight title at Wrestle Kingdom 22 or whatnot, we could see Hiromu versus Show. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's 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 amazing to think about too because like the mainstays that they have now, a lot of the older New Japan guard and whatnot, um, they're big, like in stature. What yeah. we're seeing a lot of uh, now in New Japan is an influx of smaller talent with, with Hiromu, um, uh, Tagi Ishimori, uh, goddamn Eagles, goddamn. I'm trying to think of some other ones that come to mind, but a lot of the people are smaller in stature. So when you def- so when you have a a light heavyweight champion. And a heavyweight champion, and they're all the same size, you know. <laughs> it's it's an evolution of the times with New Japan, because back in the day, you would never see that. They were yeah. very specific on the weight classes. Yeah, exactly. So now, I mean, we just got off seeing Hiromu go against Evil for the for the world title, which was kind of unheard of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was unheard of unless it was like a special event match, like a, a mixed tag or something along those lines but are the um 
the one the one belt that they made for this specifically the never open weight championship never open weight yeah, but exactly. to see but to see the junior heavyweight and the heavyweight go up together i mean to my limited new japan viewing is really never been seen happen. a lot yeah yeah no, it doesn't really it, happen it, it, very, it very rarely happens you mm -hmm. you got you got to get your weight up usually just like the, the Young Bucks had to gain weight to, to win the World Tag Team Champion, the IWGP Tag Team Champions. Yeah. They had to gain weight. It, it's part of the culmination of growing from a boy to a man. It's like, you know, kind of like the old school RPG games where you start out and you're a young boy. Like, let's say Chrono yeah. Trigger. Just to say Chrono <laughs> Trigger. You start, out with, you start out a young boy, then at the end you're battling Lavos. You know what I'm saying? And you're a man. Yeah. And you got your homies by your side and you're rolling hard. So you start out by yourself in the black tights and then you evolve and then you join a stable and then you grow. New Japan has got that RB, RPG format. So yeah. to see Hiromu go against evil for the world title, I like that because another thing New Japan is saying is we're tired of taking these people from the U.S. who come over here making them world champions and then they dip out on us and go back over there and make us look like idiots and leave us, you know, hey, we're taking home, home, hometown boys and we're turning them into men now. We're turning them into superstars yeah. because we know these guys ain't going to go nowhere because they got roots set it here. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, to speak to that point or whatever, I mean, I was not against um, outside talent coming from the States to New Japan and, to compete and everything. I thought Moxley winning the United States Championship was a good move because he was a hot free agent and everything. Yeah, yeah. And um it it did good for the company to get that exposure off of him. You know, I thought that made hell of a lot of sense, especially for a title that hadn't really been around too long. But for like Jericho came in, won the Intercontinental Championship, um it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but at the same time I wasn't too against it. And then um, it was right that he didn't win the heavyweight championship. Um, but, yeah, um, the Jay White thing, it was a different case for me. But at the same time, I was just like, you had so many other people that could have took that spot and ran with it. And Jay White could have got that later on down the line because he was relatively off his excursion coming back in, going to chaos for that brief moment in time, then switching over to the Bullet Club. So... Yeah, it's but fucking... I mean, but if you look at it, Ghetto was smart by doing that. Yeah, because Jay White kept Bullet Club alive when Bullet Club was close to dying. It kept that generated revenue and kept that interest in Bullet Club. And now, could you really think of New Japan ever being without Bullet Club, no matter what? Well, I always looked at um once I got familiar with the New Japan product or whatever. I always, I didn't think. The Bullet Club would ever go away. The Bullet Club will never go away because it's the way I look at it is um uh it's a fraternity over there or um a fight camp or whatnot. It when is. You, it is now. Yeah. When you well, that's how it was perceived to me when because you know, like I said, I'm new to it. So when you come to New Japan, you pledge allegiance to whatever fight camp that you want to be associated with. So you know, it's chaos. There's a Suzuki Gun Bullet Club. And uh, I think that's it, really, right? Yeah, I, well, uh, that's the whole thing. Is That's what I'm saying, is originally 
Bullet Club was just. Oh, you know. How, how, and how could I forget LIJ? I'm so That's sorry. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> I was going to get into that, but I wanted to, to go back to my point. Is what I'm saying is, is when Bullet Club originally started, it was kind of bringing that U.S. style to the Japanese audience. Ghetto was doing that to, like, kind of introduce the Japanese fans into the, the U.S. style, more or less, and mm. bring it there. That cheating, that, that bad guy, you know. Mm. It was really smart because Bullet Club was coming out there when they originally started. They were breaking rules, kicking ass, and taking yeah. Yeah, That was unheard of in a New Japan crowd. Yeah. They didn't break rules like that. And now you got Prince Devitt out there breaking rules, pulling refs out, spitting on people. It, it, it could have died very easily when Devitt or Viler, whatever you want to call him, left. Mm. But it didn't. It got bigger. And that's all props to Ghetto. Mm -hmm. Ghetto deserves all the admiration and props in the world for Bullet Club. He yeah. deserves all the props in the world for keeping New Japan alive. So everybody who's watching, let's give applause for Ghetto. Yeah, Ghetto. So like, with with him, whatever this is, because I, I believe I truly believe New Japan. I mean, not New Japan. Uh, Bullet Club is going to be a forever staple in uh, yeah, New Japan. But what what I was thinking about is just like you know, you said it, it took them a while to get to that point to where they you know a lot of stables do nefarious means or whatnot. Well, to me, you know, being newer to the viewing experience, um, there's no difference between Bullet Club and Suzuki Gun to me. You know, they're both nefarious stables and shit. They they both do dastardly shit, you know. So. I, I like Suzuki-Goon. Suzuki-Goon should get more TV time. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But I'm a Minoru Suzuki mark, so that's that's besides the point. Dude, I, what, I, what I want is Minoru Suzuki's goddamn theme song on my goddamn iPhone. I want that shit in iTunes. <laughs> I love that shit, man. I want to drive yeah. down the highway with my windows down, bumping that shit. <laughs> I, you know how many times I posted that video on my Facebook and people were like, what the fuck is this shit? People really thought I was losing my mind when I posted his theme song on my page. Yeah, I seen um, the lady sing it live one time. I watched the whole thing. That shit was amazing. Just imagine if somehow, some way. Minoru Suzuki started wrestling in the States. Yeah. Free reign. But, yeah. And they let Minoru Suzuki be Minoru Suzuki. I don't know, man. That you know what? They could do with Minoru whenever he just whenever he decides to hang it up. They could do the same thing like they did with uh Tiger Hattori. he did his um world tour before he uh retired, whatever. He went to the States and did a whole bunch of refereeing and you know, he did, he he made his whole, he did the whole gambit before he hung up the boots or wear the referee shirt or whatever. So I think Minoru Suzuki should do the same thing. Go all around the world, go to freaking Mexico, the U.S., uh, freaking Europe, all those places. Because, I mean, he's been everywhere on that side of the world, but not so much here. And whenever he does come here, you know, it's a big thing. And, you know, the thing is, is. Minoru Suzuki is more known in the U.S. for an MMA fighter mm -hmm. than he is a pro wrestler. You do not know how many people 
in the United States I let on that did not know that Minoru Suzuki or Sakuraba were pro wrestlers in New Japan. They were actually shocked. Because, I mean, Sakuraba hasn't wrestled for New Japan in a while, but Sakuraba was a mainstay in New Japan for a long time. And this this is the same guy that in his prime used to hunt Gracie's and, and break their limbs. I mean, you know, he's, they're known. That's something that I always appealed to New Japan was New Japan would take real MMA fighters and put them in the ring. Mm. That's Much. something I love. Like Nakamura was an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that was kind of much to the chagrin of uh, many competitors because they got fucked up. <laughs> right. Right. Dude, I, I forget who it was against, man. You could probably clue me in on it. It was a it was a clip of a match with Minoru Suzuki, and he came off the ropes full blast and drop single leg drop kicked the shit out of somebody, dog. Like, all in the face. He was like, Ugh. and I was just like, that is fucking amazing. He's like 50-something years old, man. He's a beast. I don't. I, I could honestly see him dying in the ring. I don't see him retiring. I, 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 think, I don't. I don't want to see that. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he's the type of guy that likes full contact, and he's probably going to die doing full contact or until he can't walk or whatnot. Yeah, man. Let's see, Minoru Suzuki. Where, where we at? Dude, fifty-two years old, still move like he's thirty-something. Yes, sir. And if you follow him on Instagram, he loves socks. He always posting this, this socks that he get and everything, whatever. He got he got fly ass socks. He um he collect watches and shit. So yeah, if you if you went to fashion, you, you want to get tips from the master Minoru Suzuki. Follow him on Instagram. <laughs> My only hope in this conversation that we're having on this podcast is that people who aren't familiar with the guys we're talking about go look them up. Pretty please. Um, Pretty. My- Please look my, them up. My recommendation for um, any novice or you know don't even know anything about New Japan person and you wind up getting interested. My recommendation um, for a newer guy would be Sonata. Yeah. Um, a little more seasoned. Um, he doesn't really wrestle so much now or period really. Uh, Shibata. And since we're talking about evil, I would uh, look up the evolution of evil as well. Do you have three recommendations for New Japan as well, sir? Um, I know you can give us more, but I'm going to limit you to three. (laughs) First off, look up Osprey. You have to see Will Osprey. Will Osprey. CM Punk calls him the best in the world. Mm -hmm. Minoru Suzuki. Mm -hmm. You have to look up Minoru Suzuki. And Tanahashi. Yeah, lot, you got to look up Tanahashi. A lot of lineage there, and, it, and it, even even if you want to um, go WWE side, look up Shinsuke Nakamura. You know, he, he came from New Japan, and the, shit. If you can find it, look up Shinsuke Nakamura and CMLL and AAA and all those other places in uh, Mexico, and you you'll find some funny ass promos just in that. <laughs> You know, there's a there's a match that I've talked about on here that I can't find no more. And I think the WWE pulled it. It was an independent match between Kevin Steen. Ste- and yeah, Kevin Steen and uh and yeah, Nakamura. yeah, yeah. 
yeah. that was um that bitch I can't find it on video no more. That was the um, one where we got the gif of um Kevin Owens coming off the apron doing the cannonball and Nakamura walking away. <laughs> walking away. <laughs> and he told him and, Kev, and Kevin Owens told him, he said, Stop! Calm down. Yeah, you're gonna have a this... heart attack before we start. Yeah, all this <laughs> another another nakamura match that i would recommend or whatever and this was like in the very beginning when i started watching new japan wrestle kingdom nine um carl anderson versus shisuke nakamura they had a one-on-one match i forget i mean they had plenty of them but it was one in particular i i can't tell you where it was but if i seen it you know i can tell you i mean carl anderson beat shisuke but it was a damn good match and i think that was probably from then on, you know, one of the greatest matches I've seen of Carl Anderson's. Yeah, and Carl uh, Anderson is a workhorse, man. He's a throwback. Uh, he doesn't get the respect he deserves from U.S. fans, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not at all, dude. So, I and mean, the, we don't the, deserve Carl. My, my opinion, though. My opinion. Mine, me, this guy. I think he kind of anchored down with Lou Gallows. They're a good team, though. Don't, don't judge know. them by the U.S. shit. Judge, judge them by what they was doing in I, Japan. I don't know, man. I, even even from what I have saw of New Japan, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think he's a little bit uh, held back by uh, Lou Gallows and whatnot. Because, I mean, Lou Gallows got the, 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 the straight leg thing that goddamn Matt Hardy got or whatever. He, he can't fucking bend his knees and shit. His, his legs always stay straight and shit. You walk around like fucking Frankenstein and shit and you get on my goddamn nerves. <laughs> <sighs> I will say this. Carl Anderson, in my opinion, could have been a great mid-card champion in WWE if they would have given him the chance. Mm-hmm. But in order for him to do that, he had to Lou Gallows. <laughs> yeah, man. He, he just... It could have worked. It could have worked. I and, mean, then he, and, and, and then he's he got in phenomenal shape, man. And that's another thing. That's another thing. When you ain't doing shit on TV and getting paid for it, you can either go one or two ways. <laughs> you can get fucking super fit, as Carl Anderson did, or you can just go bit, you know, flabby sloppy. Much kind of like, you know, Lou Gallows looks like. But yeah, tell the two cities. <laughs> Another match I would like to recommend for novice New Japan fans, Shibata versus Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyle O'Reilly is being wasted in the WWE, in my opinion, even though he's part of the Undisputed Era in uh, NXT. Kyle O'Reilly was one of the top independent single stars and tag team stars in the United States before he signed with WWE. It's, it's kind of ridiculous because when Kyle O'Reilly won the ROH world title, I literally shed a tear. Uh, it was like a culmination of a guy who worked his ass off. Now. He's just collecting a paycheck. I'm about to copy and paste what I said about Carl Anderson to Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that Bobby Fish motherfucker? Hiya. Cut that shit off and toss it to the side. But, but what you gotta it, understand it, is the infamous Bobby Fish had no problem letting Kyle 
trailblazing on his own because Bobby Fish was was about six years a veteran ahead of Kyle O'Reilly. Oh yeah, Bobby mm. Fish had, had done been breaking his back, and he knew that Kyle had more more left in the tank than he ever did. That's why Bobby Fish has been injured m- most of the time in NXT is because he had a lot more wear and tear on his body. But yeah. Red Dragon at one point in time was the greatest tag team in the world. And I got fans about to battle. And I know there's they're stapling our ROH history and everything, but I got more familiar with them because of New Japan. New Japan. Yeah. And then here we are, Bobby Fish is forty three years old. Yeah. You know? So same I mean, age as my ass. Yeah. But I mean shit. Ha <laughs> I mean, but Bobby Bobby already knew that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's why he he was he was letting Kyle do his own thing. He he wasn't holding him back. It wasn't ever a, a, a point of Bobby Fish holding Kyle back, saying, "Oh, well, you know, kind of like it wasn't like Kyle had the the loyalty of the, of the great Ricky Morton." Mm. And what what I'm talking about is is Ricky Morton was given the opportunity to beat Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight Title, but he found out that if he beat yeah. Flair for the world title, they was going to fire Robert Gibson. Yeah, he, can't, he couldn't leave his boy behind. And he would not do that. Yeah, he I mean, said, it, fuck your world title, fuck your couch. I don't need your title. I will be a Hall of Famer without your monkey ass. And yeah. look what he done. And he shit, he, and here he is today, still doing Canadian Destroyers and shit. <laughs> hey, and I recommend everybody follow his Facebook page. He is the coolest fucking dude on the planet. Ricky Morton, 63 years old, still professional wrestling, still just whipping ass and taking names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he is the coolest fucking dude on the planet. I mean, he is one of my favorite people to follow on Facebook. Word. So I, and he's got the school of Morton, and he's training his son. He had a, um, he promoted a match between his son and um, Brian Pillman Jr. not too long ago. I didn't get to catch it, but it was actually being streamed. I totally missed it. I had other shit I was doing, you know, shit happens. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Ricky Morton is a guy you should really follow. And if you want to get trained for pro wrestling, Ricky Morton's the dude you'd want to go to. So I recommend if you're trying to become a pro wrestler, don't look up School of Morton and get trained by the legendary Hall of Famer, Ricky motherfucking Morton. Shit, especially if any 63-year-old is still that nimble and doing Canadian Destroyers and all kind of other stuff. I mean, you can learn a thing or two. <laughs> right. And he's a throwback. He's an old-school cat who's been doing it for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Um, I, I think this has been an informative episode of Wrestling is Trash. It hasn't been our ordinary type of show, but I think it's been very informative for people who weren't familiar with certain aspects of pro wrestling. Yeah, and then, you know, if we had Nick here, he would have been busting our ass with a WWE giving us all these rumors and all this other bullshit, so, you know. Oh, but we love you, Nick. Yeah, 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 we <laughs> yeah, we love <laughs> we love you, Nick. <laughs> now, that, that Nick, Nick, Nick has dubbed me as his wrestling dad, so for for those of you who don't know me, me and Nick was in the um, military together. I mean, he's still in there hooking and jabbing. I have long so uh, placed the boots up on the mantle. But when we were stationed together in uh, Missouri, you know, in Missouri was a great place for me and professional wrestling because 
is where I first started going to independent shows for the very first time. Um, I actually got some wrestling training there in Missouri. And um, it was just like, out of all the places I've been stationed in the military, in this place was like where they came to the most. You know, I've seen so much independent wrestling in this area. I've seen so much of WWE and all these other motherfuckers just running through this part of the country or whatever. I mean, it was heaven for me in my professional wrestling fandom and whatnot. But me and Nick, when we found out we were wrestling fans, well, he we was just like, oh, you like wrestling? I like wrestling too. Are you my friend? Yes, we friends now. <laughs> and whenever they would come to town, we would go to live shows and we went to a battleground when um, Undertaker came back and hit Brock Lesnar in the nuts. Um, I think that was his uh, title match with Seth Rollins and whatnot after um, that WrestleMania. Um, we went to a couple shows there in Missouri and whatnot. It was so he has dubbed me since I'm older than him his wrestle dad because <laughs> I would take my son to go see wrestling shows. <laughs> But, you are Nick's daddy. Yeah, but he helping his real daddy right now. That's why he ain't here right now. I mean, I'm stepdad. <laughs> so, uh, hey, hey, Nick, t tell your mama say hi. You know, just <laughs> tell her to turn the red light on for me. <laughs> I'll but, try to uh, get Rob to buy you a Happy Meal, Nick. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll get you a Happy Meal. Um, yeah. But uh, you got any uh, closing thoughts, shots, and anything like that before we wrap it up? Just, you know, the thing is, is at this time and age, keep independent pro wrestling alive. Mm -hmm. Because they're the stars of the future, and without them, this sport will have no future. And this is a fucking sport. Mm -hmm. Don't think just because Indians are predetermined that this is not a competitive athletic sport. It is a fucking sport. Mm -hmm. It's probably the most dangerous professional sport there is on the planet. Yeah, buddy. Keep it alive. And in my opinion, All Elite, even though it's commercialized and on national television, it's independent as in the form that it's not part of that fucking machine called the WWE that likes to try to skull fuck us with bullshit. Mm-hmm. The WWE does not speak for the pro wrestling universe. So just remember that the next time you turn on that horse shit and say, oh, wrestling is dead. This is bullshit. Yeah, WWE is bullshit. It's an insult to our intelligence as human beings. Watch other forms of wrestling. Watch the independence. Look up old videos. Look up IWA Mid-South and watch Samoa Joe versus Necro the Butcher. Mm -hmm. Watch New Japan. Watch Please. Joshi Wrestling. Yes, watch Joshi Wrestling. You want, Dude, I have posted videos of Joshi Wrestling and people are like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. them girls over there, slam! They're knocking I, the fuck out of each other. Yeah, what, what made me sad most recently in that regard or whatever... I found one that I that really was drawing me toward there, you know, to you know do more research and whatnot. And um, uh, Hana Kimura, or whatever, she she committed suicide, and I was like, God damn it, you know, all because of you, motherfuckers on the internet. 
You sorry, sons of bitches? Well, not please listen to wrestling this trash. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was fucking sad, man. I I even turned somebody on at work who wasn't even a really a wrestling fan or whatever. I, I was showing them showing them pictures of her or whatever. I said, man, look at this girl, man. And I was showing them a couple matches. He's like, oh shit, I like her. And then fucking goddamn kill herself. Goddamn. That, that 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 was one of the most horrible things that's happened all year. Um, yeah, and we done had some horrible shit happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's right up there with Kobe. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, just I mean, if you're a wrestling fan and and you know you know about this sport, that that, that when he just said that, I knew it was coming to it. I still had to fight back tears. Yeah. And um, my good friend on Facebook, Jor Besker, which I I don't know if he watches or not, but he'll love the plug. Uh, it affected him deeply because this man is like the biggest Joshi wrestling fan in the world and it broke his heart and it broke my heart because she was a young girl who had so much talent and and you fucking bully bitches destroyed her mentally to the point that she took her own life you 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 fucking bastards ought to be ashamed of yourself yeah it, it, uh. and i mean oh. all your all your top uh wwe wrestlers right now i mean that are not from the U.S. Guess where they got their start from? They're from jo- they're Joshi promotion wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Oscar, Ayo Sharif. Mm-hmm. They're all from Joshi promotions. Look up the Joshi wrestling promotions and see how hard these girls hit. They are the epitome of fucking strong style. Yep. Twenty-three years Mayor old. Go- gone too soon. Yes, she is. May her soul rest. But a Carl Sheeta. Yeah, she is. Which, which, which I am very impressed with. Um, how how far she has come with her uh, English. You can't. It's getting better just about every time I see you. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the thing is, is, is the thing that made her the most was she when she appeared on AEW. She gave teenage boys hard ons. But I mean, <laughs> fuck, man, she she's an awesome pro wrestler. I mean, I hey, well, 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 well. She can, she I mean, can wrestle too. I mean, I mean, anybody's giving a teenage boy a hard on just about. So I mean, come on now, <laughs> give a little more than that. <laughs> so you think Nala Rose is giving teenage boys hard ons? Hey man, teenage boys hormones all over the place. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've been a teenage boy. I was just, just like, I just know how. I was just like, ah, hormone. Ah! It's like, man, look at that tree over there. I got a hard on. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking like man. That's nature a little too much, bro. Hey man, that tree had a nice curve in its trunk, man. I was just like, oh. <laughs> well, anyway, Woo! anyway, I need to get that sound effect. But um, with that being said, man, I, we gonna put a pin in it here, man. Man, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, talk some New Japan, and you know, you're always educating me on things. Uh, foreign to me it's and i when i say foreign i don't mean specifically new japan i mean independent wrestling just all those things in general because i am a wwe baby wwf wwe baby i've been spoiled on the product for years i've been suckling on that teat you know just about all my life and it's taken me this long to kind of break away and find other avenues to satisfy my wrestling needs so to that, WWE, sir. WWE, hold oh, on. Thank you. WWE is the Dallas Cowboys of pro wrestling. 
Oh God. <laughs> I hate I hate Dallas. Anyway, on that note, I have been your boy B Rob joining me <laughs> on this side. This side, yeah. Anomaly. And that has been Wrestling is Trash. Uh, follow on social media on Twitter at Wrestling B Trash.